people who come into entrepreneurial ventures because they think it's going to be easy and they want to live a certain life, more than likely you're going to be really disappointed because that's not the reason to do it. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Mind Valley is bringing you the most advanced education in the world. If you are a member of Mind Valley, know that you're going to get access to all of this for less than $2 a day. See, most schools like Harvard charge thousands of dollars for a college education, and we think this is rubbish. We know that in five years from now, you will be better equipped when you get to study from the likes of the incredible teachers that we bring on the Mind Valley platform with the curriculum design, the amazing storytelling, and the technology that really enables you to truly transform. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman to learn more on how to become a member of Mind Valley. Hey everybody, this is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. Now, if you enjoy this show or it's your first time here, ensure that you subscribe to the channel and leave a review if you've gotten some amazing insights from the content that we're covering today and you won't miss a single episode coming in the future as we always have two amazing guests coming every single week. And for today, I have the one and only Chris Jarvis that's gonna come and talk to us about these ideas around finding financial freedom, making more money. Is this the most important thing that we should do? Is there a cookie cutter answer to do it? Well, what's fascinating is that this man has been the financial advisor to millionaires and billionaires. The man has written over 16 books and I've told that they are all very eligible and currently is the founder of Giraffe U and the creator of the Giraffefluence Pathfinder. We're going to dig more into what these two institutions is because this is really what we're going to be talking about. How do you look ahead of everything else happening around to find a true path that you should be on to be able to find happiness, balance, and wealth in the same process. This man has spoken on stages around the world, has worked with the biggest leaders when it comes to every niche that you can find, and he's going to be here to share some amazing wisdom with us. Chris, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, and thank you so much for coming. Jason, it is my pleasure, and I'm excited to do this. Let's have some fun. Well, the first fun thing I need to say, like I mentioned before we were recording, I'm in the process of writing a book. You've written 16 books. Can you just start with telling us a bit more, like what have you been writing about and what got you on this path of writing so many? Yeah, so I started writing when I was 26, 27, and I had a very common pedigree, I guess. I was a math major. And you would think, of course, as a math major, you're going to go write books. What really happened was we're trying to help clients. I'm trying to educate people. And most importantly, in my 20s, I was trying to create credibility. So at 26, 27, I'm trying to help people who are 40, 50, 60. And if they met me in a room, I thought a 50-year-old is not going to be too excited about talking to a 26-year-old. So I'm going to have to impress the hell out of these people. And the clients I got in the first five years, 10 years of my business, they met me and said, wow, you look really young for your age. I was like, no, I look exactly my age. So you just, you thought I was somebody else. So I did it for credibility. and it was a lot of education-based stuff. So the first 12 books were all financial, high-end, how to make more money, how to save money, how to do things. And it had a very big education focus. And the focus of the book for me was get people to think I was really smart and worthy to have the conversation. The last three were about helping people and more focused on them. That was The Six Secrets to Leveraging Success, and giraffe money were the last two. And those were the two that hit the bestseller list first day. So 
that became how do I help people help themselves more than how do I help build my credibility? So both work really well. And I think that's an important thing is what are you trying to get out of the book? Who are you writing it to? And what are you writing it for? And what's somebody going to get out of that? When you get that message down, it seems to flow. I went through a workshop myself to kind of get better on what the process of writing the book is. And I remember this was the first thing is like, what's the objective? And when you're very clear on that, then you know why you're writing that book and it all makes sense. Now, in your case, being a mathematician, going into the world of finance, what naturally draw you into wanting to work into that field? And what are the things that you've noticed when you started working with these clients that you would assume, you know, at 40, 50 years old, if they're standing with any kind of money, shouldn't they already know what they're doing with their money? And what would they look for when they came to you? For the people listening, Jason says he has one question, then he's very cleverly adds five questions into one question. So you're, you're very adept at this. What drove me into it was I became a math major to get into law school. And I was in college. My stepfather had just passed away. He had been a lawyer and very successful. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll become a lawyer. And when I asked people, what will get you into law school? Someone said, well, if you could ever do well in math, that's a logical thought process. Law schools would rather see you have a 3.0 in math than a 4.0 in political science. So I went to become a math major and then I graduated in 1992. Nobody was getting jobs. I got a job in the insurance world, started working on insurance work and insurance rate making and internal stuff that poured the hell out of me. Then I went back to business school and got into finance. And the story there is more about life does not run linearly and you don't find that everything you do happens exactly as you want. So I became a math major to go to law school, I didn't do that. I went to become an actuary so I could become the CEO of an insurance company. Instead, I started creating insurance companies for rich people and who had very successful businesses to help them manage risk, save money, save taxes. When you save people millions of dollars in expenses and taxes, they start to like you and invite you into other things. And I learned, I had this masterclass on what do really successful people do in their businesses. So I went there to save them taxes, but I had a masterclass in business on how do you do this wacky stuff that makes you money. And then when I started helping people with more money stuff, the unintended consequence was, oh my goodness, they have a lot of psychological and health and other issues. So every time I took a step, it may seem like I was going further and further away from where I started. But when you take into consideration, you've learned the financial stuff, and then you've learned the business stuff, and then you've learned all the emotional and community and more important stuff that people might call soft things. All that stuff came around and was like, oh, this is a really... This is when you start cleaning your garage and you pull one thing out and next thing you know, you've got a project that takes a really long time and then you're really organized and everything's good. That's what happened. I just kept opening a door, going down the corridor, seeing a door going down and then realized, wow, I've mapped this thing out pretty well. Unintentionally, this was not the plan, becoming a math major, going to business school. I had no idea at 20, 25, 30 that it would look anything like this at 50. No idea. Well, I'm glad you say that because a lot of people feel the pressure, especially for the younger listeners to this podcast might feel like you're supposed to have the master plan and know what's going to happen every single year for the next 30 years, which is not really what it's not how it's happened for me. And I'm glad to hear it's not how it's happened to you neither. It's kind of like the next step is revealed as you take it. But it's always good to set those good goals, which brings me to the fact that now you find yourself having created Giraffe University. And I have a bit of a background story about what that is all about. But what exactly are we creating here and how is it helping the people? So Giraffe University, I'm calling it the evolution of entrepreneurship. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of places you can go to get information. You can learn how to create a funnel. You can go someplace and get someone to help you write a book. You can 
learn a little bit about finance. There's a lot of these pieces, but those pieces, in my experience, having worked for a lot of those companies, started a lot of those companies, they have one goal in mind, which is to provide this service for a fee. And this is the one thing they do. And what's different about Giraffe University is the word entrepreneur starts with an E, but oftentimes we'll write it and we'll capitalize the U. So don't forget the U in entrepreneur. And ultimately, if you're going to start this company and put in so much time and so much money, you have to be into this and it has to give you back what you put into it. And that's a big complaint most entrepreneurs have is how come other people who work here don't feel the same way about this that I do? It's like, well, you started it, you own it, you have this emotional connection to it like it's a member of your family. So Giraffe U brings into, you need to have the cash component and understand how money works. You need to have the company component and know how to build your business. You also need to have the character component, which is the human element of what is this giving back to you? How does it help you connect with your customers? How do you connect with your employees? And then you need counsel. You need to learn from people who've actually done it. So all the faculty at Giraffe U have other jobs. They do things, they have their own companies, but they come to Giraffe U to offer courses to help teach people what they really want to know and what they need to know. And they do it through boot camps, they do it through online courses, podcasts. And so we really think that those four C's is an interesting way to help people figure out what works for them in the way that they want. So they learn at a pace from people they want to learn from. And then most importantly, the faculty are all available to help. So if you heard Jason Mark Campbell's teaching a class on running a podcast, to do that, you would have that course, but then if they wanted to hire you separately or go into a boot camp or do something else, that's also available. So it's not, ooh, this person taught me a lot of cool theoretical stuff, but now I don't know how to put it into play. We want to help entrepreneurs avoid obstacles and find shortcuts on their path to success, whatever that looks like. So we help them do both those things. Well, one thing I want to pick on, which is something that you might be able to teach us while we're listening here, is that you highlighted to this fact that entrepreneurs, there's this additional emotional burden that comes, which might not be expected for someone who's thinking about getting into entrepreneurship. And I'd want you to maybe elaborate more on what have you seen happen with entrepreneurs that get into that space and feel that emotional overburden? What are ways that you can actually mitigate that, deal with that, and make sure that you find a bit more balance? Because it seems like if you're gonna go into entrepreneurship in that level of burden, that could quickly lead to burnout. I know I've had my own pain through the success of running a business the first time and it brought me down. So I'd love to hear the insights you have. So when I was in business school, I went to UCLA for my MBA and I had worked for a few years and then went back to school, which was common for the full-time program back in the mid nineties. And the guy, Lou Quaker, who started Bristol Farms came in and spoke. So I was on the board of the Entrepreneur Association. We brought in Lou, someone said he had a great story. He was a fantastic speaker and he talked about the power of the mind and he had been diagnosed with cancer. And he said, this is bullshit. I'm not gonna die of cancer. I'm gonna get rid of this. And he started meditating and said, Without chemotherapy, he got rid of his stuff and just a super powerful and really interesting guy on the entrepreneurial side. And just, he'd be a great motivational speaker. I have no idea how old he is now. But he also said to people, when you're going to be an entrepreneur, the advice he gave folks was, you should learn to shave on somebody else's face. You should learn on somebody else's dime. Basically, go work, learn your customers, learn the business so that you can make an easy transition into doing your own thing. And when it was done, there were four or five of us standing around. He asked how it was going. And I said, eh really didn't speak to me. And he looked at me and said, you doing your own thing? I said, I am. I said, I already started it while I was at school. And you could tell that I was just, I wouldn't say snarky, but I was unhappy. And he leaned over and turned away and whispered in my ear away from everybody else and said, this presentation isn't for you. You're going to be fine. He's like, this is for everybody else who thinks this is going to be easy. I'm going to save them the pain. So, and that was one of the things like, oh, here I am 
pissed off at Luke Quaker for this talk. And then he just, and he winks at me and I thought, oh, he knows so much more than I do. And ultimately the entrepreneurial journey is it'll take you two, three times as long as you think, and it will cost you two or three times as much money. And if you're going to do your own thing, you do it because you either do it because you're infinitely unemployable like I am, or you do it because you have a passion for the thing you do, the industry you work in, or the problem you're going to solve. And if that's something that you just love, so you're on the mic and I'm thinking about Howard Stern, who just loved being on the radio. I mean, that was his thing, which is why most radio hosts are lucky to make $100,000 a year and he's worth $750 million. I mean, it's because there's a love for this that even though he's been doing interviews for 50 years, he still researches for days and days and days to prepare for meetings. So you can love the industry, you can love the function or love the problem that you're solving. And if you do, then that will drive you to success. I will say for myself, I started two companies that ended miserably. I sold them both, but one I got kicked out of with my partners kicking out of it in a crazy story for another day. And another one I sold to people and who then made a mess of it. But I had this thought that the company was me. So that's very common that the entrepreneur will feel like the business is part of who you are. But that's why it's so important to have the context. And that's why we came up with the Draftwoods Pathfinder and GiraffeU is to help people get a context for and to remind them of why are you doing this exactly? Because it's not losing your company or having your company not do well or having somebody buy it doesn't mean you've lost a child. It doesn't mean that you had your kidneys removed in a tub in a hotel room. It just means it is part of you, but you've got to be really careful not to get too sucked into having it define you. Does that make sense? So you want to love it, but you don't want it to define you. I was going to say, I could so imagine how that could be something that drags you down. I mean, I know in my case, when I, you know, I was doing this real estate venture, we were flipping properties out in Florida back in my early twenties. And the idea of actually failing or not doing things the right way felt like such a crippling, paralyzing thought. And what I forgot to realize is that, hey, this is just doing business and there's certain risks that are inherent to doing business and you just do your best and that's all people expect from you. And that was some of the things that in hindsight, I can look at and be like, oh yeah, that would make sense. But in the moment of it, in the emotion of it, there was a high degree of attachment and it felt like so much pressure. And so I love how this story started with the fact that this teacher came and actually discouraged people so that they can, is it because most people haven't built the backbone yet and you can build that when you go into working? Or do you think it's just because some people are naturally not meant to be going into entrepreneurship here? I think the challenge is that people believe entrepreneurship is the pinnacle. They see the rewards of the people who are really successful. So it'd be like looking at a professional baseball player and saying, oh, look at that. But they don't see all the people who are in the minor leagues traveling on buses to games in cities in the Midwest that are not particularly as glamorous as living in Miami or Los Angeles or New York. And so if you do it for the reward, you're doing it for the wrong reason. I can remember in business school, since I started a business in school when everybody else was going into dot-com businesses, and one of my classmates is Susan Wojcicki, who's the president and CEO of YouTube. I've got another classmate who started stamps.com. So that's the era of my classmates. And these people came to me and said, what do you think about this offer? You think, you think the money's good? And I said, listen, this company's going to blow up and you're going to make a lot of money or it's going to blow up in a different way and you're not going to get any money and you won't know. So if you don't love what you're doing and you wouldn't do it for half as much of what you think you might make, then you shouldn't do it. And people who come into entrepreneurial ventures because they think it's going to be easy and they want to live a certain life, more than likely you're going to be really disappointed because that's not the reason to do it. The reason to do it is because you love it and you really want to accomplish something and see something happen. That's going to drive you more than just the, if you want to make money, go work in a sales position 
some kind of sales or business development position for somebody where your success is going to pay you really well, but you don't have that floor. You don't have to be answering calls and emails at all hours. You don't have to be fulfilling packages and mailing stuff to people over the weekends. You don't, I mean, it's, there has to be something driving you way beyond just the financial rewards. Otherwise you'd be much better off. There's an easier path than doing it yourself. Speaking of path, you do talk a lot about this pathfinder and I'd be curious to know what is it that people should be looking at? Because you spoke a bit earlier and I think this was before we hit record how a lot of times we look at success and we define it only in monetary terms, given that it's something that we can measure. And so I'd be curious to know what is this whole idea of having a pathfinder and what are these critical areas that we should be looking into for success when it comes to any venture that we go into? So it started quickly, it started a few years ago when I wanted more engagement in the speeches I do and I travel around doing talks. And so the first thing that'll happen when I come up to speak or do a keynote is the person interviewing me will say, before Chris comes up, you're going to go to your packet and fill out this Pathfinder. And it's 20 questions and they're very simple and you score yourself on each of the questions. And there's 20 questions, five points each. So it's anywhere from zero to a hundred points, but they're in five categories. And the five categories of life that I use are health, relationships, career, finances, and fun. And by career, it's do you love what you're doing? Do you find yourself intellectually stimulated? Do you feel like you're creating the purpose you want to create or the change in the world you want? So what I found was that when I did that first, and then they did the intro and I'd come on and speak and do my hour, two hours, three hours, whatever I would do, that then people had a context for why am I making decisions? Because you could listen to any speaker. I mean, a really good speaker could make nearly anything sound interesting. It could be origami, it could be filing, it could be a CRM system. And if you're a really good speaker, you could find somebody who explains how cool and powerful anything is. But more importantly than you following links on Facebook or ads on Instagram or whatever it might be, the question is, why are you doing it? Not just, could you do it? Or would I like to have the nice car or the nice house that person has? The question should be, oh, my health score and my fun score are really low, but my other scores are high. How do I do things in my business or my life that will lead me to a better lifestyle that'll have more health and more fun in it. And you want to have that context. So the Giraffluence Pathfinder is two things. Pathfinder seems easy. Let's help you find the path. Giraffluence is a term that's affluence is not just money. It's if you have money and no health, it's Steve Jobs who died worth billions and he's not here. So it doesn't do you any good if you don't have your health. If you don't have relationships, then you're lonely. If you don't have some purpose in your life, then you're bored. So this Pathfinder will help, will give people an animal that symbolizes what their strengths are, and it will give them an adjective to describe their weakness. So you could be a bored elephant, or you could be a broke penguin, or there's a lot of interesting different things. And then the whole process is to teach people to be more giraffe and stick their neck out and see a better path and figure out how do they create a life that has more of those pieces they need. Well, you're already hinting to one of the questions I forgot to ask from the beginning, which is you speak about this giraffe, this magical animal. What's the story behind the giraffe here? The giraffe is in all the materials and be the giraffe and the giraffe money book. And what I found when you go through that journey, and for me, it may seem like I have a pretty good handle on things, but like they would say in Hollywood, you're an overnight success. It just took 30 years. Nobody hears about you for 29 and a half, and then it all happens at once. For me, the giraffe came together when I started looking at my life and realizing what things did I do that made sense? How do I help people? And I found that when I went back to hundreds of clients, what they told me was I helped them see things differently and I gave them a new perspective on stuff. So as I started researching this, I realized or found out, discovered that the giraffe is the only animal that evolved to become more vulnerable. So by sticking its neck out, 
which is the thing that the Lions try and bite onto. It makes the giraffe really hard. It's nearly impossible for a giraffe to hide. And it gets a little lightheaded when it bends over to drink. And the neck is what the lions are trying to bite to asphyxiate the animal. So with the giraffe, you stick your neck out and you become more vulnerable. And when you do that, you can see things others can't reach, things others won't. So this giraffe thing, I'm helping people to elevate perspectives, see better paths for themselves. And the new book, the Be the Giraffe book, has dozens of stories about giraffes and cool things they do, how they eat differently, how they're not herd animals, they don't follow the herd. They don't have their head literally or figuratively in the weeds. So because you're eating and you're chewing from the branches of the tree, you're 18 feet up looking around, surveying everything, as opposed to chewing on the grass. And then all you can see is the ass in front of you. I mean, there's nothing, you just move with everybody else. So I find the giraffe metaphor works really well for people who are tired of being stuck in a herd, tired of doing what everybody around them is doing. They want to try something different and they feel like they have their own journey to take. So in a nutshell, that's the giraffe. And that's basically the ideal state that we're looking to get towards when we get through this Giraffluence Pathfinder. And so for everybody listening, know that in the show notes, we're going to put a link so that you can go and see this assessment yourself to see exactly what is the animal type and the descriptor of exactly what your situation is. And as you said, Chris, here is the fact that once you do that, you start having context on what are the things you should be learning, what are the focus areas you should be on so that you can have this affluence in your life that's not just unidimensional, such as having a lot of money or not having any fun, but these five dimensions really help you bring out that balance, which I wanted to ask this for you since now you've went out, you've built all these books and now you're doing them for the purpose of really helping the people. Like that's your latest thing that you've been focused on. So could you tell us a bit more about what's your current journey now? What is that purpose that you're excited about and what does that journey look like in the future? Again, very good. There's a few questions in there too. I always squeeze in a few when I ask one question. It's always the fun, <laughs> it's the fun part of being the interviewer. <laughs> I love that. And I'll try and track them all. So what is the journey? The journey with Giraffe University is to help people find that, find their paths. And some of it is to just plant the seed to get a large group of people to start moving on the right direction and start seeing things differently. But the part that's exciting for me, the two parts that are really exciting for me are helping entrepreneurs get things up and running. And I know when I first started, I had a teacher, Gordon Klein, who gave us, invested in us $18,000 or $15,000. And it changed our life because we really needed it at that time. And we've met some people along the way who gave us a lot of help. And it's just frustrating when you know you have a good idea, when you know you're onto something, when you know you're committed and you just can't find the people. So for me, it's helping people who have ideas on how to be better, kind of get out of their own way and be able to move forward with the cool things they have. And for folks who have been successful, a big part of what I'm doing is helping them figure out how do I go from this one thing I did to figuring out how do I, I know how to work hundred hours a week. I know how to build a company and make a lot of money, but I would like to actually take my kid out for ice cream after school. I'd like to go for a walk. I'd like to spend some time in the country or the mountains, or they want to find some balance and they're trying to figure that out. So I have this connect, which spelled funny, C-O-N-N-E-C-K. So taking the giraffe neck in there, program of putting people in touch with and connecting them with nonprofits, with purpose-driven businesses and trying to help raise money from successful people and get guidance from really successful people into some of these nonprofits. So I'm working with the National Coalition for Safe Schools and Mind Valley and some other entities and entrepreneur clients of mine. I'm working with another group Heal that's helping the health insurance business. And I'm just trying to find these nonprofits that Angel City Sports, which is adaptive athletes in LA. I'm doing all this work to help these groups and partner them with businesses and with entrepreneurs. So I like that whole connecting 
people who are at different stages of their lives and careers or stages in their business development or nonprofit development to get to that next level. That part's really fun when you introduce two people who then take something and go like gangbusters. It's a fun, especially when they wouldn't have normally met somebody from Minnesota with somebody from Florida or somebody from Malaysia to somebody in New York. It's just really fun to do that. And I think for me, that's really important because my life has, I've lived in so many different places, Boston and Dallas and Los Angeles and, and traveled around the world that when I can take a connection from 25 years ago in Boston and introduce it to somebody I met and through that person to somebody I met at a conference in Peru and then, or to somebody I met at a conference in Austria. And to me, it feels like that's kind of woven something through this crazy quilt that I have and I pulled it all together. And it just, to me, makes it feel like that's the purpose in life that you've made all these connections and brought things together that otherwise wouldn't. So for me, that's a big driver that gets me really, really excited. I guess it's an entrepreneurial matchmaking type thing for me that I really like. Well, I love it. I'm very grateful that you are doing that because I think a lot of people will be able to benefit from the fact that you're putting this community together. And what I just want to do for the people here is kind of do a quick recap because we've went through a lot of concepts here that I think are so powerful for anybody who's on a journey, possibly being on an entrepreneurship journey or maybe a different journey within a career. And the nuggets of information here are extremely, extremely valuable. I love the fact that Chris's journey itself has not been one that was going according to plan. It was one that actually got discovered as it was unfolded. And the key message here is just understanding that whatever you set as a goal is a powerful driver to take you to great places, but know that there can be changes coming along the path. You don't know where you'll end up, but you're always going to find yourself in the magical next step as it's revealed in the journey that you take. And then I love that we talked about when it comes to entrepreneurship, a lot of times we think it's all about the reward, all the beautiful things that we see when entrepreneurs have that success, but there's a lot of work that goes into becoming an entrepreneur. There's some long hours, there can be hard works, there can be sacrifices that come from being an entrepreneur. And so for people who aren't ready and attached to something that'll get them motivated to go through the darker times, this is really where it's going to weed out the people that will have success or not. And the key things to remember is have an interest in the problem you want to solve or the industry that you're a part of or a passion that you really care about, because these are the motivators that are going to take you to go the extra mile when it's necessary as an entrepreneur. And if you find yourself instead choosing the career path, that's okay too, as long as you know that you can still find that passion and still go into solving these problems, but in a way that has a lot more structure and a lot more balance, because this is the key. A lot of people think that chasing the success is just the money, the recognition, the fame, when there's a lot of things that need to come into play to have that balance and a happy life. And so please go ahead and check out the Giraffefluence Pathfinder where you're going to be able to gauge what are the things that are happening in your life, what are the five categories you want to be able to work on so you can have more balance so that when you go out to make that impact, when you go out to be a superhuman, you have a lot more balance in the process of doing it. I love that, Chris, you have this particular passion to be able to connect people. I think that we have a similar passion here. I know the feeling of when you see magic happen from an introduction that was made. And this is why the Giraffe University has been born. And so do have a look in the show notes. We're going to have some more links to that. So you can go and discover more on how to stick your neck out and do some amazing things in this world, in this lifetime that we have. Thank you so much, Chris Jarvis, for coming on the show and sharing this incredible wisdom. And for everybody here, thank you so much for tuning in.
Once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Superhumans at Work. I'm very grateful for all of you who tune in on a regular basis, listening to these amazing interviews with these guests that I get to find. Now, if you're subscribed to the show, definitely leave us a review if you can and share it with friends so that we can spread the message and get more people to be able to learn of these fantastic ideas that they can bring in their everyday life. And these episodes, of course, are brought to you by Mindvalley. When you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, you get to discover the transformational education that we get to deliver where we bring the best technology, the best teachers, and ensure that it teaches you what leads to a truly incredible life. Thanks again for tuning in and watching the show. And until next time, stay superhuman. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.